Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment, his clothing, and cast lots. Jesus prayed those Jesus prayed for those who crucified him. Jesus' death on the cross was a fulfillment of prophecy that Isaiah 53 speaks of. Jesus was despised and rejected of men. Jesus bore our, our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment. He was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of God's people was he stricken. Jesus' grave was made to be with the wicked, but a rich man by the name of Joseph asked that Jesus be buried in his own personal tomb instead. And so Jesus was. Because Jesus was sinless, one uh, might think all that Jesus went through he was a guilty man because he opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth for the sins of mankind. Jesus carried the guilt of those who were accusing him as well as the entirety of the world. John 1 and 29, where John the Baptist would say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, Isaiah 53 and 10 states, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put, he has put him to grief. So the Romans and the Jews committed this horrible crime against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it was already ordained for Jesus to lay down his holy life for the sin of the world and for Jesus to deliver from Satan mankind who was held captive john 3 16 says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life even though jesus death was gruesome jesus was victorious then the soldiers when they had crucified jesus took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also his tunic. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This too was a fulfillment of scripture that was coming from John 23 and 24. All what pastor has read and all what you have heard, Jesus suffered and endured a lot that we could be free and one day be in heaven with him. And I thank him. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord, saints. Hallelujah.
Praise God. Thank you, Evangelist Yolanda. Praise the Lord. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God Jesus knew what he was doing. Praise the Lord. So we, we have the next three speakers, and, and everyone already know we have time frame, five to seven minutes, you know. Uh, we, we just going to uh, go forth in the Lord. Uh, and so if you would come in this order, a good friend and brother, man of God, brother Mike Estrada is going to come with his passage. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Following him will be Sister Evangelist Mireya Jones. And her scripture is, Jesus said to his mother, woman, this is your son. Then he said to the disciple, this is your mother. And following uh, Sister Evangelist Mireya Jones will be Evangelist Dolores Jackson. And her scripture is, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And if you would come in that order, please, God bless you. Amen. Brother Mike Estrada. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Um, my verse uh, was 2043. Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Uh, I'd like to back up a little bit and uh, read from verse 39 to 43. Uh, verse 39 says, one of the criminals who was there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him and asked, Don't you fear God? He said, Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, on this special day, brothers and sisters, we, we look back at this and we picture the three on the crosses, uh, especially after the tales that Pastor Kramer just shared of, of the torment that Jesus went through beforehand. Uh, still in his heart, he gave the, the, one of the criminals those words, truly I say you will be with me in paradise. Um, Jesus isn't looking for the perfect person. This, to me, it speaks to me about faith, uh, the faith of the criminal who realized that at maybe the last minutes of his life that this was the Messiah, this was Jesus, and he had a turning of his heart. Um, in Ephesians 8, uh, 2.8, 8, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, it is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. So that no, not of work, least anyone should boast. And this criminal hanging next to Jesus had that turning of heart, had that uh, faith. I also wrote down Matthew 17, 20. It says, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Brothers and sisters, this passage is, is so much about faith that the deeds of this criminals, both these criminals, deserved what they had gotten. But yet the deeds and the walk of Christ didn't. And he was so undeserving. 
to be there. But he took that on because of the love he has for each and every one of us. Not only each and every one of us, but for people that still haven't got the opportunity to know Jesus. So I feel also uh, that this is about faith, but it's also kind of a calling to us as Christians to reach out to the lost, to let them know that there's this free gift. There's this man named Jesus who loves us so much and is, was willing to lay himself down for the sins of the world. 2,000 plus years ago, before he ever knew any one of us, he knew that this was his calling. Um, he asked the night before, if, if this cup be taken, Lord, take it from me. But your will be done, not mine. He gave as we should give. Um, I feel Jesus is just looking for a change of hearts, change of, of hearts of people. So may we be used as vessels also to change our, our brothers and sisters' hearts. Maybe people that don't know the Lord yet, let us be servants. Uh, going back to the deeds, this isn't about what we do. Uh, I think deeds and, and our work, our services come later in our walk because not out of trying to get to heaven, but because it's a desire. It, it, it's just a natural progression. So as we remember this Good Friday, uh, I just ask that, that our faith grow each and every day, that we come out of our comfort zones, reach out to the lost, and let them know of this man named Jesus. Thank you very much. Happy Good Friday, and God bless you all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Evangelist Mireya. Okay. I'm trying to unmute myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This is this is such a uh, trying moment, not only for the Lord Jesus Christ, but also for us. So my, um, my scripture is coming from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 19. I'm going to start from uh, verse 25. And this is uh, when Jesus said to his mother, woman, this is your son. Then he said to the disciple, this is your mother. So now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. But I'm also going to read Mark 34 and 35, because this is talking about Jesus doing the will of the Father. Verse, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 34 and 35 says, And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, 
here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and mother. But you see, Jesus, he never undermined the family unit. The first family unit was commissioned by the Creator in the Garden of Eden, you know. So Jesus is considerate of his mother. So here it is, uh, although he honored his mother as the law commanded, Jesus did not allow even his own flesh and blood to prevent him from doing the will of God. He cared for his widowed mother even from the cross going through extreme pain of mind and body. His body is so afflicted, anguish, distress, in misery, tormented, tortured. His body was tortured in the most extreme and utmost. I guess in a way I described that the agony of what he went through, you know, and then also his feeling for his mother. And it was one of us that is a mother watching our child go through such drastic, cruel measure of torture. It, it's just uh, a pierce in your heart to see your son or your child go through things like that. So in all this, he was and showed concern for the future and well-being of his mother. And Jesus, as the eldest son, he took the responsibility of providing his mother with a protector and a provider by assigning this great accountability for, for her, whose he assigned was John. John, the disciple whom he loved. So Jesus says to the disciple, behold your mother. And then he says to his mother, behold your son. So he gently placed his mother in the hands of John. In spite of everything he went through, in spite of what his body is going through, he is still thinking about the care and well-being of his mother. You know, that's how he did about us. That's why he went through all this for you and for me, you know. I just praise God that I just come to realize and know that Jesus went through all this because of love. He loved his mother so much that he needed to make sure she's taken care of. Jesus is a person that is, he complete the task, even in his pain and agony. I praise the Lord for that. Amen.
Amen, amen, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, saints, hallelujah. Praise God. Evangelist, Evangelist Jackson, God bless you. Praise the Lord. Happy Good Friday. God bless you all. It's a pleasure to be in the house of the Lord today. It's amazing to be in the house of the Lord today. Of all days, it's amazing to be in the house of the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. We thank you, Father God, that it was your will that he be on the cross, Father God, for us, Father God. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Hallelujah to your name. Blessed be your name. Um, I was given the uh, fourth statement that Jesus made. There were three before and there'll be three after. And my statement comes from Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. Verse 46 reads, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabakai. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I thought about that statement for a long time. I've wondered about it for a long time. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Here Jesus is expressing his feelings of abandonment as God has placed the sin of the world on him. As Jesus was feeling that weight of the sin, he was experiencing a separation from God. That was the first time and the only time in eternity that he'd be separated from God. When we speak about Jesus on the cross, we're reminded that this was God's plan for salvation. And salvation is God's way of providing God's people deliverance from sin and spiritual death, which is separation from God through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus was not unaware of God's plan for salvation because he and the Father are one. Jesus himself tells us in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. Verse 37, he says, speaking to the Jewish opponents, he says, do eat, do even though you do not believe me, believe the works that I may, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Yes, he knew what was suffering, what was awaiting him. And he knew that it would not be easy. That's why in Luke 22, 42, Jesus prays this prayer. Father, if you were willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. The verse goes on to say, and an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling from the ground. That same type of anguish that he felt on the cross, he felt preceding it as he was praying to the Father, if it be your will, Lord, but if it be your will, Father God, your will be done. Lord, we want that feeling. We want that sentiment. We want to have that type of faith and that type of strength. When I think about uh, this verse, I'm reminded of several things. And one of them, I just want to read to you how in John 10.10, Jesus says, No man takes my life, but if I lay it down, it's of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from the Father. Lord Jesus, he did it for us. He did it for us. I know there are times when we feel like God is not listening to us. God's not answering our prayers. Things aren't changing. And sometimes we feel the way Jesus feels. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? David mentioned it in Psalms. Um, I didn't put it 
on here, but Psalms, uh, I believe it's uh, 22. Jesus was feeling. And this, of course, is a prophecy about Jesus. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groanings. That's how we feel sometimes when we've been praying and praying for situations to change, for people to heal, and we don't see any change. And we're like, Lord, where are you in this situation? I have a few uh, points I want to give you, and I want you to think about this because Jesus knew this. Number one, we know God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for harm, plans to give you a hope and a future. Number two, we know that, is, that, we know that his word, that God will never leave us or forsake us. We get that from his word in Deuteronomy 31, 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Number three, we know God's word is true. Numbers 23, 19 tells us, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and, ha and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Number four, his word will not return void. So shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I send it. Romans 8, 37. Knowing all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 6. We know that Satan is defeated foe because of the finished work of Jesus. Number 7. We know that God will strengthen and protect us. Second. Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, but God, I'm sorry, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one and rescue from his evil attack. So we know God is on our side. God wants us to be full of his presence and totally free from Satan's influence. Agree with God about his good plan for you, his life plan, the best plan. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely do you see anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone, some, some might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrated his own love to us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by God, by God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. I want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for all your blessings, Father God. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ, Father God. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you laid down your life for us. We didn't deserve it, Father God. We should have been on that cross. But, Father God, you saw fit to send your son, your only begotten son. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. Have your own way in our lives, Father God. You be glorified in and through us. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're just going to worship the Lord. Thank God for the word that has gone forth. There is a fountain that's filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's vein, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilt and stain. Say 
Sing that one more time together.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we bless the Lord today. Amen. You know, you mean I'm going to exchange all of this one day for a crown? You mean to tell me because of Jesus I'm going to that place where, where the weary will cease from troubling? The weary will be at rest. There'll be no more crying, no more dying, no more sickness, no more pain. Every day will be Sunday and the Sabbath will have no end. Hey, glory be to God because he lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, mighty God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
And yet he's hanging on the cross for you and for I. His body emaciated, being tormented, nails in his hands and in his feet. And, hang, and, and, and all night long ridiculed and beaten, made mockery of him. And no wonder here in St. John 19, 28, <clears throat> after this, after what we heard, we heard Sister Mireya share from her heart the love of Jesus for his mother and for us. So after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished. Thank you, God. See, there's a blessing in knowing that you finished a task. Said in fulfillment of scripture, in the Amplified verse, say, I'm thirsty. Verse 29, a jar full of sour wine was placed there. So they put a sponge soaked in the sour wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. Everything that Jesus did was in fulfillment of scripture. In Psalm 69 and 21. And again, I'll read this from the Amplified Version. Uh, here's the prophecy. Jesus is the fulfillment. They, the self-righteous hypocrites, also gave me gall, poisoned, poisonous and bitter for my food. And for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Just as Jesus was concerned about his mother, he was concerned about all mankind because, again, St. John 3.16, say, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we were to go and look at uh, 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 John 4, you remember the, the woman at the well, but let's just look at a couple of verses here. Uh, you know, because, see, we have a thirst, you know. Matter of fact, uh, Matthew 5 and 6 say, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. See, sometimes we're thirsty for more than just water. Right. Sometimes Gatorade won't do it. Right. Uh, 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 you know, uh, Diet Coke won't do it. Because there's a thirst on the inside that's hungry for God, that's thirsty for God. So Jesus ministered to the woman at the well, and, and, and she said, where, where am I going to get this water from? This water that you're talking about, this I don't have to carry these water pots anymore. Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, this natural water. Have you ever been there? Drank the water, and a little while later you need some more? But Jesus said, I got some water that the world ain't never heard of. He said, but whoever drinks the water that I give him, will never thirst again. But the water that I give him will become a spring of water. Here it says, satisfying his thirst for God, 
welling up continually, flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. Ooh, hallelujah. Have anybody drunk that water today? It's something down on the inside telling you to go ahead. In the midst of your struggles and your heartaches and pain is that living water saying, you can make it. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. He'll make a way out of no way. Jesus said, I thirst. Jesus, the God man. Fully God. Fully man. Suffered. Understand what we were going through. He said, I thirst. He thirsts naturally so. He he is hanging on the cross for us. But thank be unto God, that's not the end of the story. So God bless you. It's time for us to go to It Is Finished. Pastor Solomon Moreno, man who loves God, who's the pastor of, of Fishers of Men Church, and he is doing that. And following him will be Evangelist Camille Perry. With Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Praise the Lord. And after Camille, we're going to uh, be in the hands of Pastor Warren Jones. He's going to give us a brief summary, a five, six-minute summary, and we're going to uh, have communion today here in the house of the Lord and you at home as well. Praise the Lord. So that's the order we're going to come in. So at this time, let's give the Lord a hand of praise as Pastor Solomon Moreno comes. <laughs> Amen. Preach, Pastor. Camille's time because Camille wants to preach too. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So anyways, um, I'm excited to have the opportunity to be able to speak to those that are watching, those that are in the church here physically. And what I'm going to be speaking about is where Jesus said it is finished. In the Greek, that word, I keep trying to say it in my brain right now while I'm sitting down so I don't forget, is telestai, which means it's finished. I'm going to be talking a little bit about what that word means as I go. I'm going to try to be creative to, to you know, for you guys to be able to receive this. So I'm going to read the word, with the, the word in, um, in John chapter 19, verse 29 to 30. And um, it basically says, now there was a jar of wine vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And then verse 30 says, when Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Um, he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He says, I'm done. I'm out of here. You know, and that's what Jesus was saying, you know what I mean? So let me start here. Let's see if I can see it without my glasses here. I wanted to talk about what the word means, it is finished. First of all, I'm going to go like this. Um, has any of you ever been um, in debt? Um, to the court, to a person, to the IRS, to the bill collectors. Man, it is not a good feeling. It is not a good feeling. I mean, I've been in debt um, and, and um, to credit cards and all that, but, you know, me, I've been in debt three times. Not once, three times I made a mistake. I got out of it, and then I did it again, and 
even as a believer, I've done it again. One time I fell bankruptcy, and bill collectors are calling you, and people are calling you, and people you owe money to. And you just said, you'd be saying, tell them that I'm not here. Or you'd be answering the phone, yeah, can I speak to you? Oh, no, you're, it's you, but you're saying, no, um, I don't know where he's at. I can't find him. And we've done that. And you know what? Um, it seems like you pay, you pay, you pay, and you just can't seem to get, get over it. But when you finally finish, what a great feeling to say, I am finished. I'm done. It's a great feeling to be able to complete and pay that debt off and say, I'm finished. What a relief. It's done. It's a good feeling. And, you know, I know some of you have might have experienced, maybe you've been in debt only one time, but I told you I've made a mistake three different times. I'm done now. Ooh, now these are not credit cards. This is money in the bank. I can help somebody now. I'm not in debt. When you're in debt, there's not too much you can do because money, sometimes you've got to buy somebody a tire, try to reach out, buy a meal. When you can't, you can't, you're in a mess. And God wants to get us out of that mess. So... Uh, another thing I want to say there is um, let's talk about the debt, the debt to sin. The Word of God says that we have broken God's moral laws. It started way back in the, in, the, in the garden when we first messed up, and it's affected whole humanity. Everybody's been affected by that debt of sin. And you know what? It seems like, well, if I go to church, if I stop smoking, if I stop drinking, if I stop cussing, if I, if, I lead, if I go into choir, or if I do this, or I feed the homeless, or I feed the elderly, on and on and on, we're trying to do something, all these good works, to try to pay the debt of sin. But we're not able to. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. I go to the penitentiaries, I help all kinds of people, and I can't say, oh, wow, I'm, I'm paying the debt of sin for my sin, for everything I've done. You can't. You just can't. The Word of God says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're all in debt. It says the wages that you're going to get paid for your sin will be separation from God, spiritually dead. You could even die continuing to sin even in the physical realm here in the world. But there's a choice, death or life. Wow. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, everything was prophesied. He was going there to give us life. And we're going to continue to just a little bit as I, as I go ending here. I promise you I won't go on and on and on, but, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get at him. And we know that no matter what you do, what you do, what you try to do to earn your salvation or, or try to do all this stuff in the church, play the drums, play the guitar, play the keyboard, or whatever you're doing, you can't earn it. You can't. The Word of God says, you know, we quoted these scriptures in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, for by grace have you been saved through faith. That's not of yourself. It's not a work so that Solomon can brag and say, I've done so much. If you want to see all the stuff I've done in this world, a lot of stuff. Everywhere. Everywhere I go on the plane, in a, in a train, uh, in Mexico, in Arizona, in the streets. I've done so much good works. But that doesn't pay for the debt of my sin. No. I do it because I love God. Not because I'm trying to earn something. No, we can't. So we know that the wages of sin is debt. That's what we're going to get paid for the debt that we owe. Let's go back to what Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. 
to test them. Call me out, brother. I forgot. I had a computer. I had it in my computer. Now I forgot. To telestai. To telestai. What a word in the Greek. It's a refreshing word. It's a powerful word. It is done. It is finished. Paid in full. I can imagine how Jesus felt when, when you know, there was a time where he says, man, is there any other way we can do this? My father. And then he said, but no, nah, I'm going to do it anyways. It's my, not my will, but I'm going to do I've been obedient to you since I came. I know why I came, and I know that I'm going to follow through as a servant and do what I came to do. So Jesus never backed up. So when he hung on the cross and he said, to tell us that, he says, what a relief. I'm done. I'm done, Father. I'll bow my head down and give up the ghost. I'm out of here. But for you and for you and for you, we ain't done yet. That's why in the book of Acts, ain't no amen. It ain't done yet. You got to get on your J-O-B because we say we're living in the last days. People are, are being lost, but we're playing too much church. We're, in, we're isolating ourselves in the church. When I go out to eat, I'm going to go with Patrick Kerman or Sister Camille or Sister Amanda. We just want to hang around with the Christians, all the good people. But we no longer want to go out there where Jesus was at. Jesus said, I saved you so you can go out there where there's messed up and lost. That's my work that I came to do, and that's the work that I left for you to do. The disciples were saying, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? Jesus said, I showed you how to do it. Now go do it. And that's why me, I'm one of those guys fired up when I was in the radio. I was fired up. I was messing up. I was doing all the stuff, leading everybody to do the wrong thing. So now God has given me that same boldness to preach the gospel. And I'm going to stop, no matter what it is. I'm telling you, people think I'm crazy. But I'm not. I'm crazy for the Lord. I'm crazy for the Lord. So in John 3, 16 and 17 and 18, here it says. This is what Jesus prayed. For the Father gave his only begotten Son that anybody that believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 17 says this. Jesus didn't come here to condemn the world, to mess you up and to condemn you, but that you may be saved through him. Then number eight, number um, 18 says, but whoever doesn't want to believe in what he did on the cross, that he finished the work, you already condemned. Because he said he finished it for you. He paid the debt for you. And you don't want to receive that? You're condemned already because you owe a lot of them. You owe a lot. Just like going to court. If nobody pays your fine, you're going to jail. But if somebody comes and Solomon has a lot of money and says, hey, I paid your fines, they're going to let you go. But we have committed crimes. We have committed sin. So you are guilty of this penalty of debt. I'm almost finished. Amen. I, I move so fast, my love, blah, 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 blah. I be talking so fast that I get it done quick. I have three pages that I'm getting it done. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Second Timothy chapter um, 4, verse 7 and 8. We have already read it. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We are finished. When you're done with this world, with your course, there's no retirement until you're done. When you enter in and that's it, when you, the last breath that you take, ooh, what a relief when you wake up in his presence. It's to be absent from this body. When you, I'm laying there, you go see me in the casket. I'm all right. Why are you crying for my body? It's, it's empty. It's an empty house. I'm absent from the body. It's to be present with the Lord. Good and faithful servant, you finished the race. I finished my course. I trained and I trained and I trained like an Olympic move. Uh, athlete, I've trained and I've trained. I've come to the church here. I've learned from him. I've learned from you. 
I've been training for a lot of years for, so I can say, finish. What I don't can say, what a relief. I'm done. I'm no longer, where there be no more tears, no more sickness. Man, my hips have been hurting me. This one has a brand new hip. See, the devil's trying to speak right now. I can't get out of here. Anyways, get out of here. I say, get out. Shut, shut him off and he's still ringing. Christian. <laughs> but he didn't hear me because I kind of silenced him. So you know what? I've been training for a lot of years. I trained in the wrong side, but now I've been training on the right side. And I've been serving the Lord, and when I have finally said, I'm done. I'm done with my race. My course is done. And I could say, tetelestai. Jesus says, enter in. Get your crown. Amen. What a word to say. I'm finished. Jesus says, I'm finished. I'm out of here. I did everything my father said, and I'm out of here. Amen. Let's get out. Thank you to um, Pastor Solomon. I just love you, Pastor Solomon. Such an awesome man of God. All the speakers on today. Um, protocol has been established. God's spirit is in this place. Even as we are currently in a digital climate, God's word is truly alive forevermore. Um, so you'll just go to the proclaim. And so we're going to look at the very last saying of our Christ on the cross. Saying seven, where he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. We've already heard what he established going to the cross. We have to understand when we look back at all, even what Pastor Solomon was just sharing, that he said it's finished. The work that Christ did in those three years of active ministry. He was, he, he was born of a virgin, yes, and lived 33 years on this earth, but it was at the point of age 30 that he was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And, and he began his ministry, but it was at that same time when the sky parted and a dove descended, and you heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And I'm so grateful that God speaks. And, and you know, when you get, you know, when you talk about getting authorized or you got somebody's name behind you that's recommending you, it feels good. Oh, I was recommended by so-and-so. Oh, thank you. Okay. You're, you heard about me, huh? But Jesus was recommended by God himself. And he told us to listen to him. And, and as he began his 
ministering journey, the very first miracle that we see is him obeying his mother when the wine runs out at the party. Jesus told her, but you know, this ain't got nothing to do with me. She said, y'all hurt, look, go do whatever he says. And he made that water turn into wine. And that was just the first miracle. And after that ensued so many miracles that someone even put in the canon of the gospel. Many miracles, the scripture says, that many miracles Jesus did in that day. John records that in the, in the gospel of John, that, that many things were done, that it, would, it wouldn't even, it would fill up forever how much all he did. And then when we understand that not only, but what we do have on account, we see that he raised the dead. He brought sight to the blind. He didn't just raise Lazarus from the dead. He restored a mother's son on the way to put him in the ground. He did so much. And see, when you have to understand, before we leave out of here, as Pastor Solomon was mentioning, before we take our final breath, before we, we surrender ourselves back to the Father, we got to understand we are supposed to be about our Father's business. Jesus himself told the disciples and those that were listening, I have to do the work of him who sent me while it is day because night is coming when no man can work. He, he preached, he, he shared, he brought to life the scriptures and he helped them to understand who he is. He spoke about the kingdom of God. So much so, Mama 2 got on it a little bit earlier today because John 10 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Jesus lets us know that he is the good shepherd. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd and I love my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep that I have that are, which are not of this fold, them also I might bring, I must bring, and they will hear me. They will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. We are the ones he was talking about. We are the sheep that wasn't originally in the fold. We weren't, we weren't born into the Jewish faith. We, we weren't living in that time frame. We, we were exiles from the kingdom, but he brought us in. Now, he had foretold over and over that he was going to die. He would tell the people that you're going to have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And folks walked away from him, thought he was talking about cannibalism. And he looked over to the disciples, you going to leave me too? Peter said, where would we go? For you have the keys to life eternal. He was letting them know ahead of time what was coming. And as time got closer and time drew near, he continued to speak the word because he is the word. In verse 16, he says, verse 17, he says, therefore, my father loves me. The same one that recommended him. The one that said that he was well pleased with. The one that told us to listen to him. He said, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Verse 18, no one takes my life from me. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. 
This command I have received from my father, the one who recommended me that told y'all to listen. See, when we understand when he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost and has, he, he said, Father, into thine hands I commend my spirit. He said, Daddy, I did what you told me to do. I, I came down the 42 generations. I, 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 I ministered. I taught. I, I reconciled. I helped people. I let Nicodemus know that you got to live again. You got to be baptized again. You know, you know, you might have been born of the flesh, but you got to be born of the spirit. He, he did what daddy told him to do. He finished his work. And the scripture says over in Psalms 31 verse 5. Again, scripture fulfills scripture. The psalmist writes, into your hands I commit my spirit. And, and he's, this is, he's mentioning Jesus. He, this is talking about our soon coming king. Mama 2 brought it out in Psalms 22. Psalms 22. We have to understand that the scriptures tell us about our savior. Old and new alike. And what's so great about that is that no man could take his life from him. So even though so many played a part in the crucifixion story, you had the religious leaders who were envious of this Jesus the Christ. They said, if he keeps doing this, he going to take away, the Romans going to come in and take away our government. The little power that they think they had, they didn't want it to be gone. Sin played its part in the crucifixion story. It was at the point of sin when, when we became separated from God. Uh, 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 Pontius Pilate and the Roman government and those of the centurion court, they played their part in the crucifixion story. It, it is those are the ones who, who threw and cast lots for his robes. And it was them that mocked and rebuked and, and scorned him and mocked him for being the king of kings and lord of lords. It, we all played our part. We as human beings, us is, uh, uh-huh, these 98.6s, we play a part in the crucifixion story. Like Pastor Moreno said, he said, we have a sin debt. But Jesus paid it all for us. We who are fallible, we who are messed up, we that are born of this flesh, we got a few days and they're full of trouble. We play a part in the crucifixion story. But I love this. When someone tries to solve the murder of Jesus, trying to figure out who can we find guilty, he said, no man takes my life. But I have the power to lay it down. That means I have the authority and the power to pick it back up. And because of this, my heart and my soul rejoices, knowing that no bone was broken. No, 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 nothing had, the scripture was completely full, that he rendered himself. He didn't have to stay up there all day. He said, I did my course. I, I, I even brought this young man to be with me in paradise. I'm going home back to glory. I'm going to sit at the right hand of my father. I got work that I've already done, but now it's your turn to do the rest. God, I thank you that you commended your spirit back to the father. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Pastor, Pastor Jones. All right, can you hear me now? 
Yes, sir. We can hear you. Amen. Praise God. What a wonderful study and a, a wonderful day that uh, we have uh, found ourselves involved in as we take a look at the last day, the last hours of Jesus alive before his resurrection and how awesome the speakers did such a wonderful job of sharing about those last six hours of Jesus' life. And I want to take us back, though, a day before this, what uh, Sister Camille mentioned on uh, last night about Maundy Thursday. That was the day that we uh, we had a Bible study last night. And it was Maundy Thursday. It's called Maundy Thursday by Jews because the word Monday comes from the same word from which we get the word mandate or, or uh, 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 the, the same word we get uh, uh, command. The word command comes from that word. And you know that, that when Jesus was being questioned by uh, the religion, not the religious leaders, but by uh, the lawyer, he was asked, uh, Lord, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he told them the greatest commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and strength, and mind. And the second is likened to the first, love thy neighbor as thyself. But on Monday, Thursday, Jesus gave them another command. And he said, uh, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And he not only mandated and made this mandatory for his disciples, but he also demonstrated what he meant when he uh, washed their feet. Uh, he was showing them what it means to love. To love means to serve, and he's letting them know to love one another. And he told them, by this will all men know you by the love you have one for another. So he not only shared with them uh, a new command to love, but also demonstrated it in service. <clears throat> and so he continued that service even after uh, uh, that this last supper. This was the last time he would eat with his disciples after being with them over three years. One more time he would eat with them. And in that supper, he would give us the blueprint and we're going to have communion after this for what we call communion. And he would go through that whole process. And after that, <clears throat> he would go to Gethsemane and he would pray. And uh, I thank God for all the speakers and how they ish, uh, 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 demonstrated the, the torture that he would go through even before he went to the cross. He would be uh, go through four mock trials and then uh, be tortured as many have stated and he would have to carry that cross and then he'd be nailed on that cross from his hands and his feet and then he'd be set up in an upright position on that cross uh, between heaven and earth between two thieves this man in the middle uh, said that if I be lifted up I would draw all men unto me and then while he was on that cross, he continued to demonstrate his love. He demonstrated, first of all, the first thing he said out of his mouth, he demonstrated his love for his father. If you remember, he was in that garden, and he, he agonized in the garden because of the point in time when he would be separated from his father. 
And on the cross, the first mention out of his mouth is one person whom he had never been away from all his life and in eternity. That was his father. And he mentions his father first. And he says, Father, forgive them. And we thank God for Sister Yolanda talking about Father. Forgive them, all those that were around him, those that hated him, those that loved him, those that were Jews, those that were not, those that were believers, those that were unbelievers, the centurions, all those, and us, he says, Father, forgive. In all that pain he was in, he still loves. He was demonstrating his love Monday, Thursday. That love continued even on the cross. Love superseded everything else. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So he looked up to his father. Then he looked to his side to a thief. That thief had spoken to the other thief and said that we deserve to be here. This man has done nothing wrong. So he admitted his guilt before God, and then he said, Jesus acknowledging who Jesus is. He's the Lord. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's what he did. And believe in your heart that God raised him. So he knew this Jesus would die, but he was not going to be dead long. He would see him in paradise and he confessed his guilt and he confessed his faith on that cross. So he looked up to his father and said, forgive them. He looked to this thief on the side of him and said, this day you'll be with me, with me in paradise. And then Sister Maria went and talked about his mother and John, and he looks down. And he relinquishing his responsibility to, uh, to take care of his mother. Remember, he, he was the oldest son. The oldest son was responsibility when the, when the father died was to take care of the mother. And that's what he did. He made sure that all his responsibilities before leaving this life were taken care of. And we have to remember that as well. We have to take care of those that took care of us first. And so he, he relinquishes that responsibility, a great responsibility. And who did he relinquish it to? John, the, the beloved disciple. This was when Sister Maria was summoned. This was the beloved disciple. And this was the only one of the 12 disciples that died of old age. He's the only one that would live his life out. The others were either martyred, the tent, or Judas who committed suicide and died that way. So he, his love was also a love of responsibility to, to his mother. And he was given John this awesome task of taking over his responsibility. That's an awesome task. And he gave it to the disciple of love, the one whom Jesus loved. Jesus Jesus was God incarnate, and God is love, and John was the apostle of love. He's the one that said Jesus is love. He's the one that said, he that loveth not, loveth, he that knoweth not God, for God is love. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And so he looks down, and then lastly, he looks toward himself, and he notices something on that cross. He had said, Father, forgive them. But now, all of a sudden, he's noticing something. He's alone. And he doesn't call his father, Father. At this point, he calls him God. He says, my God, Sister Dolores said, my God, why 
have you forsaken me? That separation, this is the point where he had agonized in the garden before because this is the point where he would be separated. His father would turn his back on. This is where sin is judged. This is where the judge in the courtroom takes the gavel and says guilty, and he walks out and goes into his chamber. The, the trial is over. The guilt and shame on the cross of Jesus Christ has been condemned. And the judge goes into his quarters, and now Jesus realizes that here I am alone, on the cross alone. But then, the, it finally, all the blood loss and all the pain has, re, has totally weakened him, and he says, I'm thirsty. He has bled, most, a lot of his blood, has, he's had a lot of blood loss. His body is giving up, and he says, I thirst. He took our sins on his body. He took that, that the, the guilt and shame on himself. And he, he, he reminds us that we will die of thirst if we don't get our water from the living water, who is Jesus Christ. This is what pastors talked about, that, what, that living water. And then finally he says to Telestai, Pastor Moreno, Paid in full. The price for our redemption has been paid in full. We no longer owe that debt. The debt has been paid. I am now free from the power of sin, and I can walk with my head, hung, head up now. He's the lifter of my head because the heavy lifting has been done. And I imagine that the father, somewhere along the line, probably in the garden when he prayed to his father, told him that when this is all over, come on back home. And he says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Come on back home. The work is done. Redemption is paid. And now men and women can live their lives with, with, with power over sin. Sister Camille talked about the Holy Spirit. That's where, our, that's where our strength comes from. This is how we overcome in this life, by that Holy Spirit. It looks like a tragic ending. It looks like a dark day. But I like that song that says, Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. I'm gonna get up out of that ground. And when I hear that trumpet sound, so this tragic ending is not over. It's not over. Jesus said it is finished because the work of redemption was finished. But we know Jesus right now is working. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And I think if anybody can get a prayer through, Jesus can get a prayer through. Amen. God bless you. And uh, I think we'll go ahead and uh, Pastor, we're going to do communion now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll prepare our hearts for communion. Praise God. Amen. For those that are online that uh, have joined us today, thank you so much. God bless you. You may not have uh, the bread that symbolized Jesus' broken body or fruit of the vine, but 
uh, we can uh, yield together in the spirit of oneness of heart and oneness of mind as we reflect on the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're again, we're so grateful. As we trade took bread and we had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Pastor Solomon, would you pray over the fruit of the vine, over the bread that we're going to partake that symbolizes Jesus' body and blood. Amen. As we go to the table of the Lord, we know what it means. And we do not take this bread in vain because we know the meaning of what Jesus did on the cross for us. It represents his body and it represents the blood that he shed on the cross. We bless the, the bread and the fruit of the vine right now and those that are watching that if you're a believer and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're able to also participate in communion because you know the meaning of what we're doing. And we thank you right now in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for what you did. God. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if, I, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Praise God. 